Praise God. It's great to have everyone here today. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here today, worshiping with us. Amen. It's already been said. We want to do it again. We want to welcome Brother and Sister Philippec and their church, worshiping with us today. Great to have you guys with us. Amen. And there's not many churches out there that if the main person doing their music is not there, that they have the opportunity to get a Hall of Fame legend to come in. So it's great to have Mother Wright. Amen. This is not a reflection on anybody else in Antioch. We have some great, talented people, but, you know, we didn't scrape the bottom of the barrel to bring somebody in here today. The NFL, they give out yellow Hall of Fame jackets, so we might just have to get her a yellow outfit with a patch on it. Next time she leads worship, praise God. So we're excited about that. And also, if you're watching us on theantioch.com this morning, we welcome you into our broadcast. Praise God. I have to remember how to do this. It has been a while. This is probably the longest I have been. It's been great. I'm not complaining. But I think it's been two months or a month and a half, so i got to remember how to do this this morning. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, I guess it's like riding a bike, I guess. We'll see. Oh, start with the scripture. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can find one quickly. Praise God. Hey, man, in case you don't know, that's a little inside joke for us. We've had an evangelist here and anniversary services, and so it's been a while, but the Lord is good. Amen? If you go with me to John chapter 3... John chapter 3, this morning, uh, we're going to read a little bit, uh, for those of you that don't read your Bible during the week, we'll read a little bit this morning to catch you up, uh, but we're going to read just a few verses, very familiar to a lot of us, but we're going to read them this morning for context's sake. John chapter 3, verse number 1, it says this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Everybody say, be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can it be? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. Verse number 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, or whether it goeth. So is everyone. Everybody say everyone. That is born of the Spirit. Now, don't get ahead of me because you don't know where I'm going. You think you do, but you're going to get... One time we were uh, playing golf and Bishop was riding in the side of the golf cart and Brother Grossbach was driving. It was one of the times he was home from the mission field. And I'll never forget it. As, as long as I live, they're, they're driving down the fairway to their ball and they're just flat out going as fast as that little cart will go. And the Bishop had a hat on and something hit the wind and the wind blew his hat off. And Brother Grossbach, I guess out of reaction, decided, 
to save the hat. And so they're going straight 100 miles an hour down the fairway, and the hat blows off, and he just yanks the wheel to the left to go back and get the hat. Well, the bishop didn't know that. So the bishop's momentum's going this way, and the cart's going that way. And when I tell you Fred Flintstone came alive, his little legs got to going. And he didn't fall, but it was a, it was a picture. So if you think you know where I'm going, when this cart turns left, you're going to be running to try to keep from falling over. Praise God. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Before it's all done, I might have to break out a little Stevie Wonder for you. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Watch out. See, y'all knew I'm back now. I'm just crazy. Got all this pent up craziness. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for seated, for standing. Be seated, but don't sit down. Amen. This is a very familiar passage of scripture we've read. If you've been in church long enough at all, you know this scripture. Usually if I'm teaching a Bible study, I go and I start here. It's such a wonderful picture of the beginning of a relationship with God, how to enter into the kingdom. You have this man, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He was on the outside of the group that Jesus was, was building. He was, he was, he was on the, 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 the anti-side. He was a part of the group that, that was trying their best to stop what was happening. He snuck to Jesus at night and began to talk to him. And, and it was interesting, if you find and you kind of read into the context of of this, he says, you know, we know, I know you're a teacher. And he said, I know you, you, you do these miracles because no one can do these miracles except God be with him. And, and it was great because Jesus never responded to what he said. Jesus just kind of decided to go off and do his own thing. And he said, except a man be born again. That there is a new birth process that we all must enter into. You can't get into the kingdom unless you are born again. You cannot enter. I'm going to say this again. You cannot enter into the kingdom unless you are born again. There is no side entrance. There is no entrance for good behavior. There is no entrance for good deeds. There is no entrance for the bad people and the good people. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the way, the door, the the one who said, come through me, he was the one that said, you must be born again. There is no clause in that contract. There is no side side entrance in that contract it's plain it's simple it's straightforward it's it's right there in black and white you must be born again what does it mean to be born again jesus went on to tell nicodemus that because he didn't get it at first he said how can i be born again i'm supposed to go back and and get in my mother's womb and ask her to to birth me out again jesus said you're not you're not understanding i'm not talking about a natural thing this is a spiritual thing because in order to be born again you got to be born of the water and of the spirit you've got to be baptized and you've got to be filled with the spirit in order to be born again it doesn't matter if you're a good person it doesn't matter how sincere you are it doesn't even matter if you pray every day unless I am I in the right church today 
unless you are born of the water and of the spirit. Now, now this is not where we're going, but we, we're just going to stop and lay a quick foundation. You have to be born of the, that's not my words, folks. Don't get Don't argue with me. Well, you're, what about all those sincere people out there? That's not my words. I'm reading what Jesus said. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not sending anybody to hell. I'm not sending your sweet granny, your great uncle, or your mama, or your papa. That's the words of Jesus. He said, you must be born again. And to be born again, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. And he goes on to tell Nicodemus, what that meant. He, he goes on to tell Nicodemus exactly what that meant. He said, verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he says in verse number seven, marvel not that I said these things unto you. And then verse eight, one of the greatest scriptures in all the Bible. I love this verse. In fact, put it up there. John 3, eight. I love this scripture. Just give me a second. This is one of my favorite scriptures to talk about. John 3, verse eight. Look at that. I was close. The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it come, whether it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. The problem is, if you don't get this verse, you can excuse the first verses of this chapter. Now, we just have a little Bible lesson here for a moment, okay? If you don't get this verse, then you can put your own label on what it means to be born of water and spirit. Because it's obvious, being born of the water, what that means. It's pretty obvious to anybody that has read the Bible, has any kind of theological integrity, that looks at that and says, well, they're born of the water. That's obvious, because Jesus said in Mark 16, if believe and baptize, you shall be saved. It's easy to prove that that water. But the problem is, if you don't understand this verse, you can easily dismiss the part about, well, being born of the Spirit, what does that mean? That just means this verse unlocks everything. But the problem with this, and this is a little bit of issue we have in our modern world, because we don't read Greek or Hebrew. Maybe you do, but I don't. I don't read Greek. I don't read Hebrew. This was originally written in the original language of the Bible, the Greek language. I can't read the Greek language. So I'm reading what some guy sitting in a room with a candle wrote down on a piece of parchment and determined what this verse meant. But the problem was, this is one of the greatest errors in the King James Bible of misinterpretation of a word. Because this word, wind, does... Now, we didn't think of wind. I'm thinking, you know, a summer day outside, a little hot, the wind blows. Feels good. And I hear wind, and I'm thinking the wind blows. Well, listen, what, am I hot and I need a wind? No, it's not what it's talking about. That word wind is the word spirit. And not there's two spirits in the Bible. There's a little S spirit and a big S spirit. Little S spirit, that's my spirit. Big S spirit, that's his spirit. This is a big S spirit. Not a little S, big S, his spirit. Not wind. If you say wind, it's easy for me to say, the wind bloweth where it listed, thou hearest down there, but can't say where to come, where to go, so everyone is born of the spirit. I don't really understand what that means. I guess it's not, not for us today in the modern world. Problem is, you dismiss this, you dismiss everything. Because he says, the spirit bloweth where it listeth. And thou hear the sound. Again, sound. That word sound is the, is the word phoneo, which means which audible syllables. Audible syllables. Not just 
ah sound. Audible syllables that make up words. You hear the audible words, sounds thereof, but you don't know where it's coming. You don't really understand where it's going. And then the greatest explanation there, so is everyone. Now, help me out, guys. Who does everyone leave out? No one. It doesn't say, so is everyone, except those who are very sincere and pray really hard. They're okay. So is everyone except those who attend church on Sundays, even though they don't practice this. It's okay. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So we're going to pull it all together here. We're, 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 this is not where we're landing, but we're just starting here. He says, you must be born again. Everybody say, be born again. Born again. Born again. I want you to get that idea. Born again. Born again. Born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand what that means. What are you talking about? Be born again. I don't get the concept of being born again. He said, I'll tell you the concept. The concept is you must be born of the water and of the spirit. Well, you see, in Nicodemus's world, the Jews were baptized. There was, if you converted into Judaism, you were baptized. It was called the mikvah. He understood baptism, but this whole spirit thing, they didn't understand. So he had to explain what it meant. On the spirit side, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. And he said, listen, marvel not that I've said all these things. You pay attention now because I'm about to show you what I really mean. My spirit is going to come and it's going to blow. And you're not going to understand where it's coming and where it's going. But you're going to hear the sound, not a sound of an audible, but sound uh, 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 phonics, words that are going to start to come out as a sign. And this is going to be the part that everybody that's born of the spirit, whether you're black, you're white, whether you're from this country, another country, you're rich or poor. Everybody that has the experience of being born of the spirit will have this happen to you. No exceptions. There's no exceptions. Everybody, 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 everybody. When you hear that echo in your mind, everybody that is born of the Spirit will have this. Problem was, that hadn't happened yet. It was prophetic. Hadn't taken place there. Because we go a little farther, we flip over just to the next chapter, in your, the next book in your Bible from John to Acts, and we find that it happened exactly where Jesus said it that the wind of the Spirit began to blow. And the Bible said they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Notice this. They spoke, but God gave the utterance. You missed it. I'm going to get it again. They spoke, but He gave the utterance. I'm going to do it one more time around the station so you can get it. They spoke, they spoke, but He gave the utterance. They spoke, but he gave the utterance. You cannot receive the Holy Ghost unless you are willing to speak. God is not going to come inside of you and move you around and, and get you like a puppet. You must speak. But when you begin to speak, the source does not come from the mental mind, but the source comes from the internal part because he said, when you are baptized in the Spirit, out of your belly shall flow from the depth of your soul way down deep on the inside there's gonna be a river that begins to bubble up little by little but all of a sudden this river is gonna bubble up and out of your belly shall flow
Is there anybody in the house today that's glad that once you were dry and empty, but there was a river of the Holy Ghost that found you? And there's something that happens and takes place when you are born again. The Bible says that there's something inside of you that was dormant, that was put in you at creation, that God put in you. But at at that time, that becomes alive and you are born again. Because the Bible goes on to say in the writings of Paul, he said, Romans 7.22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There's an inward man inside of me. There's something down on the deep inside of me that when the Spirit of God gets a hold of me, something way down on the inside, and the words have been said, I didn't even know I was looking for it. I I was looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. But when I found Jesus, not just found Him in prayer, not just found Him in a Bible study, not just found Him in a song or a preacher, but when I lifted up my hands, and I began to worship, and I began to pray, and I begin to give him glory something got down on the inside of me and before I knew it I couldn't stop it and there were words that started bubbling out of me so Paul goes on to say 2 Corinthians 4.16 for which cause we faint not for though our outward man perishes the inward man everybody say the inward man the inward man is renewed day by day I can't stop the ticking of time you look in the mirror every day time speeds up because it's getting faster and faster I can't stop the perishing of the outward man but there's an inward man that when I wake up and I'm weary I'm tired there's a strength that comes but it's not my strength it's not coffee or tea or something that gives me a joke but there's an inward strength that comes in me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world Woo. I feel like preaching for a moment this morning. Ephesians 3, 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. Where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto them that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, everybody say all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh where not worketh in a church, not works in the preacher, not works in the song but he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in where? us 
me. Where does that power come from? Go back a few verses. The strength that comes from the inner man. Where's the strength that comes from the inner man? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dry, but now I'm filled. When I get the Spirit of God on the inside of me, and I'm baptized in the Spirit, and I speak in a new tongue, there's something on the inside of me that changes. So I can say, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. According to the power that works in me, not because of who I am, because of who he is and because he's inside of me. No wonder the devil tries to convince us that we are just suffering Christians. Because he is scared to death that we ever figure out who we are. I think that's honestly, truthfully, his greatest battle he fights in the church is trying to keep the church from ever realizing who we are. Because if you ever realize who you are, you say, well, I know I am. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Because if you realize who you are, you wouldn't act the way you do. You wouldn't come in here defeated. You wouldn't come here dragging yourself, well, I'm here for another church. I guess I'll just come to another service. No, 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 no. If you really knew who you were, if, if you knew, really knew, what did he say to the woman at the well? He said, if you only knew who it was that said to you, give this water. If you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew, you obviously don't get it, lady, because you don't understand who's in this room. Sometimes I think we forget who's in this place. Because the very first time we walked in here, we, 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 the contrast was so great. We'd been living in darkness for so long, and you walk into a room filled with Jesus, the contrast is so great, it's obvious to feel like, man, this, uh, there's something here. I can feel it. I, I can feel it. I, I, this, this is amazing. This is, inc- this is awesome. Man. I, just, I can't get over how amazing this feels. But after a while, when you live in an atmosphere so long, you become second, just... just No big deal to you now. And then Jesus can come in here and sit down on the throne right here in the middle of all us. And we're like, well, that's just another good service. And we forget who's in this place. But not only that, we forget who we are. And Paul was trying to remind us. Now unto him that's able to exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. And unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ through all ages and world without end. Amen. So we understand there the concept that Jesus laid out to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He lays the concept out to be born again. Everybody say be born again. To be born again. Born again. A brand new beginning. He tells that to Nicodemus. Paul begins to state what that means and begins to expound upon that, the inward man. But then there's a very, one of the, one, one of the, the richest chapters in the whole Bible is Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read just for a moment again just because there's so much riches there even if I don't comment on them I just want to just throw it out in your spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse number 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. Comma who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Real quick, 
I, I promised it wouldn't comment, com, common, commentate. It's too hard. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? They say it sounds synonymous, synonymous, but they're different. Because conviction comes from God. Conviction will always push me towards God. Condemnation comes from the enemy. It will always push me away from God. Conviction is a good thing. Condemnation is a damning thing. Because conviction says, son, you're doing some things that aren't right. I want to help you with that. Conviction says, yes, Lord, whatever you got to do, I want to be closer to you. Help me, Jesus. Help me. My, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. Give me all. Help me, Jesus. Forgive me. Wash me. That's what conviction does. Condemnation comes along and says, you did it again, didn't you? You just messed up again. See, you'll never do it right. You might as well just quit and give up. You might as well just forget ever trying to go back and ever be anything in God. You're just never going to be anything but a mess up. Condemnation tries to get you to quit. And the Bible says there's no condemnation. Woo, praise God, that's awesome, right? Through Christ Jesus. Let's dance for a second on that. Time out. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're here in, if you're here, if you're in here today and you're battling with condemnation, that's the symptom. There's the problem. Condemnation is the symptom. The problem is flesh is ruling your life. If flesh rules your life, you're going to be ruled by condemnation. If you walk after the Spirit, you're going to be led by conviction. So if you're here today and you're like, and you feel like you're just messed up, no good, you can't ever get it right, you're always going to be that way, you might as well just give up, quit, give in. It's not God telling you that. That's the adversary. And why is he telling you that? Because you're letting your life be ruled by the flesh. Praise God. Go on from here. For the law of the Spirit, verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life is Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So verse 1 tells us the symptom, the fix, and verse 5 tells us exactly what that means. You mind the things of the Spirit, you'll be spiritual. You mind the things of the flesh, you'll be, you'll be, you'll walk after the flesh. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual mind is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so that Christ, if so that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Not if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit to dwell in you. Now we're almost there. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. Now watch this, verse 15. Throw it up there. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is, a, is, a, is, a, is an intimate way of calling Dad. You're calling Abba, Father. Now, I want to just think about this for a moment. Jesus laid the concept out that to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I feel the whole hour. It's exciting when you know where you're going. And it's like trying to keep yourself from getting there too quickly. Hold my mule, Jesus. Hold my mule. Now, Jesus laid the concept out that said you must be born again. But Paul says that when we receive the Spirit of God, we're not receiving the spirit of bondage to fear, but we're receiving the spirit of adoption. Now, time out for a second. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But being born again and adoption aren't the same concept. And Jesus tells to Nicodemus, and for you to get into the kingdom, you've got to be born again. But Paul, man, I'm getting excited. I'm not joking. I'm just going to get excited. Wish I could just throw it all out there at once in my brain. But Paul goes on for 14 verses talking about life in the spirit. Because let's be honest, Jesus tells Nicodemus to get into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. But I, we've talked about this before. I think it would be a lot easier. And, and this is, you take this within context. I know in the world we live in today, this is not, this is a sensitive subject. But it would be better for you to be saved. And when you're baptized, we take you out right there. I mean, just, just end it all right there. And you go straight to heaven. Because we know you're saved at that point. For most of us, by the time we step out of that baptism, we get dry, it's a fight to keep the old man down and let the new man live. But he says, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. But that idea of entering into the kingdom of heaven is kind of talking about the proverbial finish line. Because one day I'm going to step out of my, my, my mortality into immortality. I'm finally, Brother Joel, going to cross over for the last time and finish this race. And I'm going to enter into that rest finally after all this fight. And Jesus says, if you want to do that, if you want to get there, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. But Paul goes into this whole explanation, and there's other, other chapters here, but really leads up and culminates here in Romans after 8. He's, he's writing to the church in Rome here, and he's trying to help them understand how to live life until you get there. Because let's be honest, we all got to get up in the morning. We got things to do. You got to go to work. You, you can't just live in a, in a perfect bubble of, of, of Jesus all day. You got problems. You got bosses. You've got... Issues, you got my car broke down on the way to church today. Never had a car break down in my life. Broke down. Thank God Brother Cassius and Brother, uh, Brother Whaley came and got me. But he says, you're born again, but there's a second part I want you to get. You've received the spirit of adoption. Now, when he wrote this letter, 
He's writing this letter to a Roman world governed by Roman law. And when he writes this letter, he writes it with that concept in mind. And in the Roman world, there were two main things that took place when you chose the adoption process. The first thing that took place is that child or that person, whatever age they were, sometimes they could be older. It wouldn't be just a child. They could be older. When that child was adopted, the old identity was done away with. Oh, I know. Ooh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. The old identity was done away with. And the identity, now watch this. The identity of the new family became their family. Oh, Jesus, help us. So the first thing that happened was everything up to when you were adopted was done away with. All debts were canceled. I don't care how many visas American Express discovers, MasterCards, you had run up in all your debt plan. When you got adopted, they took the scissors out and cut it all up and said, you no longer owe anything in this world. You're debt free. But when you got that new identity, you began to take on the identity of your new family. And in the Roman world, most families wore a certain color to identify them. If you were a son, you got a ring. It didn't matter what you were before you were adopted. That one process, that one process, it wasn't a long deal. It was one thing that took place. You stepped out of the old identity. It didn't matter who your mama or who your daddy was. You could have been a slave all they care. But when you were adopted, all of your past was erased. And whoever your daddy and your mama were, you became like them. You began to take on the characteristics of that new family. And what's even greater, a part of that new identity, in the Roman world, you could disown your biological son. But because of the law, when you adopted a child, because of the law, you could not disown that child no matter what they did. Mm. I feel the Holy Ghost crawling up on my back right now. See, if it was a natural birth alone and the child decided to go a little squirrely, you could say, you know what? This ain't working out too well. You need to take your little goods and pack up your bag and go marching down the road. But the law stated that when that adoption became final, that it no longer based off the performance of the child, whether or not he was still a daughter or a son. But the adoption law said, when you are adopted by this family, this family can no longer disown you. But you're a part of this family for the rest of your life. 
It didn't matter if you got a, a, B, C, D, or an F at school. It didn't matter if you messed up, got broken up, got beat up, got knocked up. It didn't matter what happened. The fact of the matter is you could not be disowned. I'm tired of letting the devil come in and try to whisper in somebody's ear and say, you've done too much. You've gone too far. There's no coming back. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over that lie right now in Jesus' name. If I've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if I've been filled with the Spirit, I'm a son of God. It doesn't matter what I look like today. It doesn't matter what I act like today. I've been signed, sealed, and delivered. I've been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm. Here's what happened. So the law states that when you get adopted, your old identity is done away with. All debts are canceled. And in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the law, you became the same person as the one who adopted you. Legally, whoever your father and your mother was, according to the law, when you got adopted... Legally, you became the same person they were. But even greater. And this is what he says. Verse 15, he says, you have received. Go back here. Put verse 15 up there again. You have received the spirit of adoption. Let's, for, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Next verse. The spirit itself bear witness without. Now watch this. Watch that. Look at that. The big S. Bears witness with the little S. Who's the big S? Who's the little S? So you know what that means? When I have the Holy Ghost and I'm baptized in Jesus' name, there's a piece of me that recognizes where it comes from. And all of a sudden I realize there's something down inside of me. That old song they used to say, it's all over me and it's keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. It's all over me and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. What does that mean? The big S showed up to the little S and said, nice to meet you. You remember me? And all of a sudden that which was dead. Woo! That which was dead came alive. And we are the children of God. And watch verse number 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now watch that. And when the heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Because watch what happens. We hear heirs, 21st century 
heir means that we have an entitlement to something once the person that gives us that dies. So if you're the heir to the family fortune, you know when daddy dies or mama dies, you're going to get that because you're an heir. But in the Roman world, it meant differently because an heir, you didn't get entitled to that when someone died. That means as an heir, you were entitled to it when you were living. So when you got adopted, when you got adopted, you couldn't have two pennies to rub together. You could have been so full of debt, you couldn't even get out of it in a million years. But when you got adopted, not only were your debts wiped out, but then you became an heir. But that didn't mean you had a future. That meant at the present. If your daddy owned five houses, that meant you owned five houses. If your daddy had a Rolls Royce, that meant you had a Rolls Royce. If your daddy had stock in the New York Stock Exchange, you had stock in the Stock Exchange. It didn't mean it was something you were going to get when he died. That meant you could have it now. So what was Paul trying to tell us? Paul was trying to say, being born again, that's speaking of redemption. But adoption, I'm trying to tell you what you have the opportunity to do. Not when you cross over glory. Not that you can just, I'm holding on to Jesus until I get there. I'm just going to be a poor Christian. I'm going to make it to church. I'm going to probably do my best. I'm going to put a little bit in the offering every once in a while. I'm just going to hold on to Jesus. No, Paul said, honey, I'm trying to get you to realize, stand up, put your shoulders back, lift up your head and say, hey, listen, I don't know who you are. I know who I am. Call me cocky. Hey. Let me tell you one thing. You could consider to me be arrogant or cocky. That's up to you. But if my daddy had all the cattle on a thousand hills. If my daddy was the one who truly said let there be light. I'm letting you know right now. I'm walking in here like this. How you doing? How you doing? I would let you shake my hand, but I don't know if you can handle that, brother. I'm a bad man. You say, wait a minute. Isn't that cocky? No, that's not cocky. I just know who my daddy is. So you know what that meant? Hey. When I got adopted... And I got all my debts canceled out. A part of being adopted is they took me down to the jewelry store. And I rolled up in the jewelry store. And they said, this is my son. We never met him before. It doesn't matter. He's my son. He looks kind of old to be your son. No, 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 you're my son. We're here at the jewelry store. What we could do for you? I got to get a ring. What kind of ring? I need a ring. I need a family ring. Need to fit him out for a ring. And they break out the ring and they say, here, son, here's a ring. When I got that ring, guess what that meant? I didn't have to ask anymore. I didn't have to ask anymore. Now, because I had the family ring, I had the family name. And so now I could do business with the name. Yeah. 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 
I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to call my daddy up and say, Daddy, I need $10 in the ATM. Could you send it to me? If I'd have called my daddy and said, I need $10, he said, Son, what are you doing? I gave you a ring. You can do anything you want with that ring. Go get the $10 yourself because all that I have is yours. So when he said, don't ask the mountain, he said, speak to the mountain and be removed and cast in the sea. Why? Because I've been adopted. I've been given a ring. I've been bought with a name. So when I speak, you're not looking at Joel speaking. My heavenly father is speaking. So I had the coolest opportunity Thursday. I was very privileged and honored. I've never been to one of these before. And when you're a pastor, you get some cool opportunities. I had such a great opportunity. Thursday, I was asked by family in the church. My wife and I were asked by family in the church to come support them, be with them on Thursday. Thursday, we got up, took our girls to school, got dressed. Went down to the courthouse on church circle. For the Lewis family. Because Lewis family was about to adopt officially Sebastian. And I got to stand there and watch a miracle take place. And I know some of you have already seen this and you're like, well, it's not a big deal. Well, no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it may be a no big deal to you, but it was a big deal to me. Because I saw Jesus come alive right in that courtroom. It just hit me like a ton of bricks right there in that courtroom. I, I watched two people come in carrying a baby and walked up to a judge. And five minutes before that, they had no real rights as parents. But once they presented the case to the judge and the judge reviewed everything, the judge took out a piece of paper. And the judge has on there Tony Lewis and Charlotte Lewis. And at the bottom, bottom it says Sebastian Cullen. When that little boy walked in here, walked in there, he had a past. He had a past. But when that judge took out a paper and he signed it and he sealed it and he delivered it. It did not say one day this boy will become your child. It didn't say in the future if he's good enough he'll become your child. It doesn't say if he proves himself worthy. He can be your child. Huh. It says at this moment, when this signature is completed, everything that you've got, everything that goes along with the Lewis family 
And I stood there with Tony and all, and, and, and all his boys were standing there around him. And all the, all of, all the families gathering around there. And Charlotte was there and they're all sitting there, sitting there. And, and we're all standing there in this circle. And the judge is there and he signs and he seals it and delivers it. And at that moment, it says, Sebastian Colin Lewis. At that moment, the last name was changed and the family name was put on him. Now everything that the family, oh my God. Tony and Charlotte, come here for a second. I want to ask you this. Have you guys talked about if he doesn't perform up to your standards that one day you might decide this wasn't a good choice? Did you lay out any kind of, any kind of contract that he has to perform to certain tasks in order to remain your son? So you're telling me the only thing, the only thing that makes him your son, unconditionally, was because when that judge signed that paper and his official, you knew this was determined. So you're telling me, do you, now, now, you guys have raised some good kids, but let's be honest, do you think he's going to make some mistakes? Dad, you think you're going to, you, you think he's going to make some mistakes? Yeah, when I get to Home Depot. <laughs> when he gets to Home Depot. <laughs> So you mean to tell me even when he makes a mistake, you're not going to consider that was a bad choice? Mm. So you mean to tell me that his position in your family is not based on perfection? Mm. Now, when we get with the, Lord, the Lord's going to give her strength here because I know she's, this is a lot, a lot but she's going to read something. When it was all said and done, she stopped. The judge was real cool, and she stopped. She said, Judge, I, I want to read something. And when she read it, it just like, I mean, it was, it was amazing. So I asked her, Mr. Lewis, can you read to Sebastian what you read to him in that courtroom? Yes, sir. Thank you. Sebastian, today I commit myself to be your mother. I love you and I am committed to nurture, protect, and care for you. I will help you to the best of my ability to grow into a man that reverences God and respects humanity. I will put your needs before my own. I will encourage, teach, lead, and guide you throughout your life. I am your mom. You are my son. We are your family. I will, put, I will do all I can do to keep you healthy and safe, in hopes of preparing you for a full, prosperous, and fulfilling life. Every time I hold your hand, you hold my heart. Love, Mom. October 15th. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those do you know who you are you haven't just simply been born again but you've been adopted you were signed in death you were sealed in burial but you were delivered in resurrection because when he said I don't want you simply to be born again for a new life but now you're going to be my child I'm going to sign the paper from this moment she said you're my son I'm your mama There's not one person in here today that would argue the sincerity of that lady or that man. There's not one person in here that would argue, well, you know, I don't think they're really telling. I'm sure if he didn't turn out all that great, they're, going, they're, they're, they're not going to really. Not one person in here believes that. If we can be that way as human beings, why do we think our Heavenly Father would look at us Any differently. Come here, buddy. Come here. Why do we think that our Heavenly Father would treat us any differently than this family has treated this precious baby boy? You say, well, God, I don't have much to offer. A two-year-old can't go out and work for the family. At this point, a two-year-old only knows one thing. Take. Feed me, change me, help me, carry me, hold me. You say, Lord, I don't even know what to do. That doesn't change the status of a child. But if if we can do this as human beings, how much more can our Heavenly Father treat us? Now, every woman in this place that has a child, when she read that, you connected automatically. You felt it. Even the men in here, you could feel that. Take that same feeling. That's how he feels about you, but multiply it by a million. He doesn't look at you like some subjects in a chess game of Light versus darkness. He doesn't look at you as some petty people that, oh, I got to, oh God, I got to answer another prayer. Oh, they're praying, they're asking me for something else again. Oh, they're going through another trial, another situation. Oh, would they ever stop crying? He looks at you the same way that those two parents looked at their son. Multiplied by a million. What in the world are we worrying about? What in the world are we walking around like being a part of the body of Christ is an obligation instead of a privilege? Why in the world are we looking at, well, you know, 
you know, we're Christians, and boys, you know, it, if we weren't Christians, there's so much other stuff we could be doing right now that's so much fun, but we're just Christians, so we're just miserable and grumpy, and we just can't do anything, and we got to pray all the time. We just read our Bible. We got to go to stinking church every week, sing songs. I don't want to sit down, and they make me stand up, and I don't want to say anything, and I have to say hallelujah and amen, and oh, To realize who we are. This says, I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You know what that says? I didn't wake up this morning with my mind on my problems. Why? Because I've got a daddy up in heaven. That I was signed. I was sealed. And I was delivered. And he said, son, you're mine. And I am yours. She said it. I'm your mama and you're my boy. When I came to an altar and I was messed up and I was broke up and I was beat up, I didn't have anything to offer, but I lifted up my hands and he said, I want to make you born again. But more than that, he said, listen, when you get into that water and the adoption process takes place in the water, because in the water, that's why, oh, well, can I just take a, can I take five seconds? What time is it? Oh, I got to hurry up. I'm going to just, can I just preach for five seconds longer? Okay, watch this. Ready? It says here, a judge, a, a judge ordered and decreed that the male adoptee born June 17, 2013 in Annapolis, Maryland, who was subject to the processing bee and said adoptee, that's a lot of words, hereby declared to be the child of father and mother. For all int- Read that again. Adoptee is hereby to declare the child of, 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 of worker and daughter. Okay, I'm going to read it one time. Uh, um, adoptee is supposed to be the child of, 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 of friend and, and friend. <laughs> if the name wasn't on the document, folks. The adoption process would have been voided. So the only way the adoption process is complete is because it says Tony Lewis and Charlotte Lewis only way the adoption process is complete is because it's got the name on the document. So that's why, no offense, I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's why if you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, when you were put in that water and came back up, you're like, what happened? What was that all about? 
All I did was just get wet. You're right. You just got wet. You just took a bath without soap. Congratulations. Because that's all that happened. But when you say, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus. 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 That's not theology, folks. That's about the power of the name of Jesus. Because I've been adopted by the name. I've been called by the name. I've been sanctified by the name. I've been freed by the name. I've been delivered by the name. I've been healed by the name. That's why the name is important. Because the name, it makes it official. It's not about theology. Well, that's just what you think the scripture says. No, 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 no. In or in the county, don't give a flying heat about theology. It's taken us like 45 years to get a permit, okay? They don't care about theology. So it wasn't like when they wrote this all, they sat down and you said, you know what? Well, the Bible says that you need to be called by the name. So let's just, we could call them person one and person two. And it would work. But because we want to be theologically correct, let's just put their names on the document. Huh. They didn't have that discussion. Because they know legally, without a name, you got nothing. So don't judge my theology. You go down to the courthouse and say, listen, could you change the names on this document to read person one and person two? They say we could, but if we did, it wouldn't be legal anymore. Because the only way it can be legal, you got to put the name of the father and the name of the family. If the name of the family is not on this document, it doesn't work. But if you put the name of the family on this document, when that's signed and it's sealed and it's delivered... That child at that moment steps out of its old identity, its old past, who it used to be. And in that one moment says, now I've got a new mama and a new daddy. Would you stand with me this morning? Do we know who we are? If we really get a hold of this and it clicks in us. And we begin to understand through revelation who we are, who he's called us to be. You know what? Depending on who my daddy is, you don't, you don't push me around. You don't push me around because, you know, you've heard the playground thing. Well, you know what? I'm going to call my daddy. He beat you up. You don't push me around. You don't sit over there in the corner and go, well, you know, the devil, he's really messing me up right now. He's got so much stuff. He's just getting at me. I'm just so defeated right now. I don't think I'm going to be able. Really? No, really? Not, no, not a child of God. Really? Really? Hey, I'm not talking. I'm not getting on you. I went through those stages. All of us. I went through that pouty period. Pity party period. As they say, the thing about a pity party that stinks, no one brings gifts and there's no cake. But I went through that pity party stage and I thought, man, this is just stinks and and then man, this is this is terrible and, and man, this is this is this is no good and this is just uh... wait a minute. Either the word of God is true or it's not. 
Now we got to make that, we got to get that out of the way, okay? It's either true or it's not. But if we all agree, most of us agree that it's true, then we either believe it or we don't believe it. We either act upon it or we don't act upon it. And Paul said, stop walking around. Oh, yes. I'm a child. And realize that you're not. See, we we think, you know what? I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm going to get heaven. I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm going to do everything. No, no, no. Paul's saying, instead of waiting to get to heaven, bring heaven to earth. That's what he said. Instead of trying to get to heaven, he's offering you the opportunity to bring heaven to earth. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have no sorrow, no tears. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying the power and the authority that was on Christ. Brother Muhammad, he said, we are reigning with Christ. We're reigning with him. We're joint heirs. Joint heirs. That doesn't mean we're princes and princesses, although some of us act like we're princesses and princes. That doesn't mean we're princes and princesses waiting for the king to die so we can assume the throne. No, as a joint heir, that means everything that Jesus was entitled to when he was on this earth, we are entitled to when we're on this earth. Hallelujah. Everything that he had, we have. I wonder right now, if you feel comfortable, would you just throw your hands in the air right where you are and say, Jesus... And I help me was open my eyes that I can see who you've made me to be, what I am. Praise God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. Oh, can we sing it now? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Say now.
Anybody feel that way? I was, was a stranger. I was a stranger on earth. I was, was a, a sinner. sinner. We're sinners. By choice. By choice. And, and I was a, a lover.
Hallelujah. His royal blood. Oh my God. Hallelujah. His blood. His blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's under the blood, folks. It's under Woo, the blood. All things are passed away. It's under the blood. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It's oh, under the blood. You don't know where I came from. It's under the blood. No more fear. No more worry. No more doubt. No more no more difficulty. No more sorrow. Why? Because I'm a child of the king. Oh, I am, I am, I am, I am. My Lord, if somebody gets this revelation today, it's going to change your life because you're going to finally realize who you are and what you're entitled to. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that I ask or think, according to the power that works where? Praise God. In me. In me. In me. Because not only have I been born again, but I've been adopted. My name's been written down. I'm a child of the King. Can you just put your hands together one more time and clap unto the Lord and give Him praise? Come on, give Him praise. Come on, He brought you out of darkness into light. Oh, I think He deserves praise. He deserves praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now blows through my veins. Oh, I, I who is wretched. Who was yes. And blind. And blind. Now can see. Now can see. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm a child of the King. Praise God. Oh. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Shake someone's hand. Tell them you love them. Don't forget, church tonight is 6 o'clock. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.